0: Welcome to the Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Hudock, where we have fun talking about the phenomenal and the fascinating. From angels to energy healing, from mystical places to mystical teachings, this is a place where we nerd out on the science of the soul. I am here today with my friend, Mary Medeiros whose credits, accomplishments, and career standouts are mighty and long. She is a two-time Emmy Award-winning director for daytime drama, as well as receiving her first Emmy Award on the directing team for the 88 Olympics. And she has garnered a prestigious Directors Guild of America Award as well. She is the CEO of the Madeira Impact, a social media company with a mission to transform traditional media into social media. Impact Entertainment. Today, she is here to talk about another potent aspect of her journey. She is a well-seasoned reader of the Akashic Records, and we are going to talk about that. She has started this since 2008, and we're going to break that down and share what that's all about. If you want to learn more about her work doing this and more, you can go to www.spirittherapybymary.com. Mary, thanks so much for being here on the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. Thank you for having me. This is great. Yes. Well, okay. Some people listening have heard of the Akashic Records. Some people have no clue what the Akashic Records are. Let's break it down. What are the Akashic Records?
1: Okay, so the Akashic Records are and it's, uh, I'll say it this way and then we can delve into it more, but it, it's a, it is as a body, experi it's an experiential body of knowledge that contains everything that every soul has ever thought, said, and done over the course of its existence, as well as future possibilities. So it's a, um, they, so the records hold the archives in an ethereal divine realm, it's a spiritual imprint and they hold the archives of all of our soul's journeys through time. So everything that, you know, we can call it a dimension of consciousness also. Um, and it's a vibrational record. So it's not like a book somewhere that's in the clouds right. or in in some room somewhere. Um, and the Akashic records has have existed forever. And in, in the past, thousands of years ago, probably a million, they were only accessed by mystics or holy, then known as holy people. And, um, and that's because that many years ago, well, I'll refer to now, our planet has expanded so much. Consciousness has really expanded more than throughout the history of this planet. We, there may be a debate about that because the way we're treating the planet, but we can get into that too later. But is is, is is happening. And right. vibrations are being raised. Um, and that makes it easier to access this particular realm because more people are actually sensing and feeling that there's something else about them that they can't define. And what that is, is it's our divine self. And when we open our Akashic records, we are literally communicating with that divine aspect of our self that's recorded already. That recording... In the ethereal realm, the imprint of our soul is is contains what our soul's chosen journey is, and we also can access our past lifetimes uh, through the records. So we can know things about ourselves that maybe we feel there may be tendencies that we have and we don't understand them in this lifetime. When we open our akashic records, the records will impart and show us um, what how we lived in other lifetimes, it's very exciting, which can impact greatly in a very positive way and sometimes confuse us in our present lifetime. So it's, it's an amazing tool of remembering what our soul has chosen to do in, in this, in our case, this lifetime.
0: Yeah. Very powerful. You, you talk about how we're at this time right now where the consciousness is rising, right? The the vibration is present and increasing. And I totally agree with that. And you said something to me that I thought was so simple and potent and I think it's worth sharing. And you said the planet expands when we know who we are. And I think more and more people, more and more souls are getting up to speed with caring about really why they're here and who they really are. Who are they? Who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? Mm-hmm. And really wanting to um, seek more deeply the what's in the underbelly of their um, soul path, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so to your point, I think that this is a very timely conversation, particularly at this crossroads uh, of humanity right now, where it behooves us to get to it and know who we are, why we're here and what it's all about.
1: And yes, and I also I believe that the reason
0: more people
1: are wanting to know that deep question, why am I here? Who am I? is because the chaos and and unsettling unbalance that is all over right now is not of love, it is not who we who were designed, who, we are not of that. And so we have evidence around us of what we are not, what we are not, what we are not. And I think what happens is it almost in a sense breaks down people to go, wait a minute, I'm sick of that. That's not who I am. Oh, well then who am I? Yeah. And I think that's why that's happening more. More people are, are coming to their records to experience that. Because when we when we're in the records, Um, the way that it works, the way I work in the records and the way I've studied that I resonated with is that I use a sacred prayer. And when I open with the permission of the person and we're in a session, that person's records, I receive blocks of thought, sometimes wording, sometimes, sometimes images. I will receive sometimes a thought about a past life or many. And those blocks of thought are literally, they're mirrors of that individual soul so I'm just the I like to call myself the sieve where things are passing through. And the divine, with 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 my permission, I should say, or my accepting of this call, they use my way of speaking, they use my imagination and my mind um, to impart that knowledge that is that person. So often a person will thank me and I say, well. You just thanked yourself because this is your, you get to chat with the divine aspect of you. Right. In the form of divinity, like your own divinity. It is trippy and amazing.
0: And I second that because I (laughs) have an experience with you, and it was trippy and it was beautiful and it was very um, confirming. Which I really loved, because we all have that sense inside of us that we you know have a feeling of on uncertain things mm-hmm. and to have something like an experience with you having our records opened, to have that mirrored back to you, to have your larger self, to have your soul self, to have your innate, your divine self mirror back what you already intuitively, instinctively, sensed is a very powerful experience in just um, the completion of the feeling of what it feels like to just have a confirmation on something that yes yes that holds great gravity
1: it really does I'm glad you've experienced that as well because that was my experience when I first began working in the records because my study in the records was me opening my records and looking at the things that I did not I didn't understand in my own life so I was so I am, you know, sit, sitting here, a living example of what you do when you say yes to who you already are. Mm-hmm. And the other thing than the other, it's a new old message. I should say old because we've, as a humanity, misinterpreted this message. But we are God's source. That's the new, I mean, this is what religions have a hard time with some still. No, we aren't God. Um, Yeah, we are. We are in the, we're the direct imp- Direct mirror of God's source, yeah, and and so if we are, when I was little and I got that, I happened to get that on my own when I was little because church seemed weird to me. Um, but I just I remembered hearing God created you in His then own image, and even as a little person, I remember thinking, well, here's the thing: if I and I grew up Catholic, if I were in God's image, why would God create a being that had sin already mm-hmm. and make us be born with it? Like it just didn't wasn't logical, and right. and I think it all. I think I came in knowing that, actually, and for some reason I needed to see how that particular uh, system operated in order for me to gravitate out of it, in, a, in other words, because I know how many religions do not reflect the power that we already are, and quite often they're, they fear that
0: because they fear they'll lose their power. That's right. Amen yeah. to that. And I grew up Catholic, so I can completely relate to <laughs> right? your experience. And yes, we are God. And if this is hard for our listeners to kind of swallow, and this is a, a fairly new idea, mm-hmm. maybe just bend it a little bit. And it's like, okay, you can't you can't really wear that yet well, how about this? You're an aspect of God. You are a piece of that star of Bethlehem, you are a part Mm -hmm. of the whole. And it's actually an impossibility that you're not, whether it's from the sacred texts that you read, or just from the pure science of the quantum. It's like, you are not separate from that which creates life. So just, let's just clean the lens of our consciousness and get the dirt off the windshield with all Mm -hmm. those limitations that we place upon ourselves from these external um, uh, rule books that, like you said, were really placed there for control and power, not to empower, but to take away that inner landscape of knowing and the power that, resides within all of us, which is that God's yes. source. I totally
1: agree. That is what I know to be true as well, exactly as you said it. And um, another interesting thing, some people will say, well, how do I get back to my own source inside myself? Easy for you to say. I mean, there are people that are yeah n- not, and or they don't know that they can, I'll put it that way. Well, you know, one thing that the records imparts all the time, and whether it's in readings or in like what they impart to me, is that when we recognize something of beauty, no matter what it is, um, usually it's nature, or it could be a baby, or it could be just love itself. Those moments when when we are in awe of something, the records speak of awe a lot. Awe is an amazing word. They actually have suggested recently that to me that we switch, change the word mystery and replace it with the word awe mm-hmm. because mystery implies that there's something that is being, that you can't find out or something. So awe, every time we are in awe of a bumblebee, a bird, a blade of grass, the air, the sunset, the ocean, I mean, we can go on and on, Our, uh, an amazing moment with a loved one. That moment, when we recognize that beauty, we could not, rec- That's that's divinity we could not recognize that beauty if we were not of that and science kind of shows us that how could you recognize something that you are not that's not part of you you wouldn't be able to recognize
0: it right right that's a great point it's like going to some island or some place that you've always wanted to go to because you know, or just by looking at the pictures, it looks so beautiful. But when you get there and you have the experience, you had no idea that it was this awesome until mm-hmm. you're standing and taking it in, standing before the sunset or on the cliff or wherever you are. And what it also reminds me of is that uh, the records bringing that into play, the awe of, of life, it reminds me of us returning to our child nature. Mm-hmm. Our children don't think, oh, I should be joyful right now. They're no. just joyful. They're just joyful. Free. They don't have mm-hmm. to go into um, making lists about what they're going to do to fill their awesome day of play. It's just they're, they're in the flow. So right. staying curious, being in that state of awe it it, it, it um, perpetuates more of that inner freedom state, more of that joy. It does.
1: And, and And then the next step to that is, so guess what? You are that thing that you are so blown away by. So yes. that's the part that people go, well, how do I know I'm a beautiful, joyful inside? How do I know that? Well... If you notice that, then you are, yeah. and that's it. And don't be thinking about it. <laughs> just, that's what? it. Like kids don't question. I love that you mentioned children. They don't question when something is like, oh my gosh, in a good way, right? They don't go, let me analyze that. Why am I feeling like I've, that's a big thing? They don't, they just accept it. And they're, and, and, and we, and here's, it was interesting. When we see a child be in awe of something in a second, we love the look on, like, we feel the energy of that child, don't we? We go like, oh my God, we love that child even more. That's
0: because they just saw themselves. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Good point. Well, you've been doing these record readings for over two decades, and I'd love to know what was the impetus, if there even was an impetus that got Mm -hmm. you into reading the records or seeking to learn how to read the records. And what was it like when you first had your records read? Was there an aha moment for you? Was there like a total about face and how you perceived life? Um, So
1: here's the thing. I always, I always connected without ever talking about it, but I always knew, I had an inner knowing that I loved love and, there, and therefore I loved people, I always loved people. And when I was growing up, I got smacked around a lot for loving people. Mm. And I was almost fully talked into believing that that was a wrong thing to do. Yet my being kept showing me, no Mary, and no matter who, where I was working, cause I was in, I call it the trenches at the networks. It is very um, abusive. It still is. And especially news, I was working at CBS News. Abusive, everyone's abused, men, women, whatever. And I, I, don't, I never could figure out why I was there. Well, I, I needed to be there as part of my experience. I worked through the records to figure out why I was there. Anyway, I always knew that there was something in me that wasn't a match to, to that, no matter how great the money was. And so then I was following, you know, as I was working still in that arena, I was always finding myself going to like, like when Abraham Hicks first came out, I was like, and, and, a, and an executive producer on one of the shows I was working on, she actually introduced me to Abraham Hicks mm. and, and said, you know, you're not, I don't want you to feel obligated to listen to this. Anyway, once I heard what Abraham was imparting, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I know this. I know this. I know this." And I was like, oh, "I could breathe." So then there were other things that I gravitated. I started, you know, reading about Paramahansa Yogananda, and I was very attracted to that. You know, all the things we've all done. And then Eckhart Tolle, of course, I'm getting more recent. So along the way, I was feeding into that part of myself, but I wasn't saying to myself, "This is my life. I need to do this." I didn't know about the Kriya records yet. And then I was having an, a, a, a psychic reading with a, a, a woman out here. I'm from New York, and I'm living in, in California now. And this reading I had, she said, there's this really, he, she was very funky, cool, and right on, this woman. And she said, there's this dude over your shoulder. He's really handsome. He looks like a genie. And I'm like, who is he? And she said, he says he oversees your Akashic records. And I asked her, well, what are those? And she said, I don't know, but that's what he says he does. So I, you know, went home, I looked them up online and I, it wasn't like, ah, and the angels. And I got hit over the head. It wasn't like that at all. I just went, wow, I kind of feel like I know this, but I didn't do anything about it. Went back into the other, my other stuff. And then there were like three signs. And then the second one was I was at a metaphysical bookstore out here and I was alone in a back room and there was a room, there was a book teetering off the shelf and I was, I called my attention to it and I looked up and I pulled it down and it was, the name of it was How to Read Your Akashic Records. I was like, oh my God. So I read that book by Linda Howe and in, in this book, she actually leads you to open your own records through a sacred prayer. And I just kept going in the, I inhaled the book. It was just easy. And I was like, wow, when I first opened my records, I began to hear blocks of thought that were not mine. And I would write on my computer and just here, and write after opening, and here and here. And I would write these things down, and then I showed it to my my wife Christine. One in the beginning, and she went, "Oh my god!" She would cry, and I go, "You know what? I think it's my imagination, isn't it?" Like I questioned myself. I would
0: pulling the book off the shelf?
1: Yeah. Why would Why would I be able to access the divine? Ooh, and it was probably leftover church. Stuff, I'll say. Right. Who knows? But anyway, so I kept doing it. And then I read Linda's second book and her third book. And I was opening my records, and her second one is healing through the Akashic Records and healing your wounds through the Akashic Records. So I kept doing it and I kept opening records on my own. And they would impart things. I would ask, you know, ask my own issues. Why do I keep struggling with this? Why am I manifesting petty tyrants as bosses? And they would, you know, then I found out past lives, these stuff kept coming through. The more I shared it, then I started to share it with a few friends, close friends. And they were like, Oh my God, there's something here. You need to keep doing this. And I was like, I know, I'm really feeling something. It got easier. Mm-hmm. And then my very dear friend at that time, um, on one of my birthdays, she put, she shoved enough cash in a in my birthday card for me to study at the Center for Gashik Studies in Chicago. And that was the third one. And I just, I I thanked her and I said, okay, I'm doing it. And once I did that, er- everything just flowed. My life changed. I was clearer about things. Um, I loved more. And, and then I came to find out that all the things that I was sort of, ridiculed about, about trusting people, thinking everyone's okay. I come to find out that actually that is who we are. We are all really good. Everything really is okay. And so I got and that. And I just, I sat up and I was like, my energy went up and I went, Oh my God, I was right all along. That is how we're designed. So it just got better and better and better and better. And that's, that's how it came about. And I've been doing um, readings for, some time. And, and what I'm finding, common themes, and I'm finding that um, everybody feel most of the number one theme that or reason that people come to the records is because they feel stuck. They're just stuck. And they don't understand why they're stuck. And, and somehow, 100% of the time, the records unravel it, by, and that person gets brought right back around to why they're here And sometimes it can involve businesses that they have or thinking that a career they had 20 or 30 years ago was then and the records bring it right in to the now. And they find out that they have a new kind of offering because everything we've ever done is always an opportunity within the Akashic Records. And it becomes an asset for us as a whole divine soul here to do something. Right. Yeah. So that's that's the long version of how I got to where I am now. And, um, and, and now I'm having this sense of, you know, this probably happens with people who are doing this kind of work is like, I'm doing it one person at a time. And there's a 911 call from divine that I'm hearing all the time, which is that we all have to just find, we have to remember who we are as quickly as possible because our planet is humanity, not the planet. The planet will be fine. Gaia will be fine in all her Grandeur, even though we're beating her up. Humanity, however, is on, at a very pivotal point right now. Yeah. And, the only, yeah. and the only way through this is our rediscovery of, and, and, and I also want to say of our divine. Divine is not, god, it, mm, some people might hear divine and go, well, I don't believe in a god or whatever. That's why I like universe or source. How could there not be some magnificent source of the choreography that exists on this entire planet and beyond? right? Did we do this alone? I don't think so.
0: (laughs) Right. Just take the exercise. I'm just going to kind of dumb it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Just think about, okay, we live in this galaxy. We've never gone outside of our own galaxy. Mm -hmm. Yet we know there's billions upon billions of galaxies. So like, hold up. Did you guys get that? like there's not hundreds. Okay. Cause that's right. the mind has to expand to just kind of capacitate that thought. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now we're into thousands. No, we're talking billions, your mind, your brain, your thinking brain cannot capacitate that awesomeness of creation because it's like beyond the brain space. That's right. Right. And so we have to release our
1: connection to having it be affirmed by our, Uh, And that's where we are now, I think. Our mental capabilities, right? Yes, absolutely. Because I can't, I I was once in a conversation one night over a glass of wine with a friend of mine, this is a couple of years ago. And he said, because he he doesn't believe in, I don't think anything, maybe, I'm not quite sure, but one of the, either that or agnostic. Anyway, he said, I don't understand the divine, explain it to me. And so we we began to have this conversation and he just kept needling me and needling me for a logical proven explanation of what the divine is. And I finally had to say to him, I can't, I'm not going to defend the divine right now. You just know it, it exists. That's it. You just know it. You know, we know, we know that we're sitting here right now. I mean, we, there are things we know that, well, isn't it interesting that religions believe in a God? Many religions they say there's a God. Have they ever really seen it, Him, right. Her?
0: Right. Well, what I'm hearing is there's like different levels or states of being as it relates to the divine, and there's belief, which mm-hmm. is a lot of what religions based on. I believe right. because I've cultivated a certain degree of faith. But faith, true faith, is you're not waiting to see it. You just know, you trust, I should say, that it, yeah. that it is so, so and, and based on your belief. And what is belief but a story? You keep telling yourself over and over again and you mm-hmm. make it true, and that's mm-hmm. belief. So there's belief, there's faith, but there's also knowing. And some of my greatest teachers, have said the very same thing in their own words. And they say, I don't want you to believe anything. I want you to know. Because yes. knowing is a completely different state of being. And the only way you can really know is to have a direct experience of that which we call divine. And then people go, well, I haven't had that. Well, anyone can have it. It doesn't have to be your near experience. And you will have the experience that you're meant to have Based on your um, personality, I'll say mm-hmm, your life, mm-hmm. your way of of perceiving the world. My experiences are very big and like knock me over, and something to write a book about, maybe because they're they're interesting and they're they're sort of not so common, maybe. I think they're probably really common. It's just people are, have been afraid to share it like myself because we don't want to be judged for being, you know, kookalicious. But (laughs) the thing is, it's really about direct experience and that cultivates a knowing. So when we are talking to someone like your friend, and I have many friends like that, that are like, I don't know. I just show up here and then I die. And I don't really know what even that's based on, you know? Right. Yeah. And this just, it's just like this, there's a trust there to something, but that's a choice too. That's a belief in something, Mm -hmm. but they haven't had per se, a direct experience or sought out to have an experience so that they can come into a different state of being or knowing. And I think maybe and I'm not making one thing better than the other. I'm just saying maybe that's sort of the, um, what separates sort of the agnostics from someone who is a believer or a knower or a faither, is that they've had certain experiences that are undeniable and you can't quantify it. You can't define it. It's beyond any sort of mental capacity or thinking. Mm-hmm or mentalizing because you can't mentalize your way to something that is so um, uncontainable and nameless. Right. Like infinity. Right.
1: We know infinity and that's that I should have brought that into that conversation because I would say to him, cause he's a science thinker type of guy. I should have just asked him, so is there infinity? And he would have said, well, of course there is. And I'd say, well, how do you know? That's right. How does it, that could have saved me about an hour
0: and a half. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been like a short coffee meetup. <laughs> so you talk about common themes and, and yes, uh, people being stuck. I can certainly relate in my work. People come to me because they feel stuck. And then I try to get them unstuck. Is mm-hmm. there a common curriculum though, that you see for humans and maybe even especially at this time, do you think there's a common curriculum like self-love or self-worth or self-respect or- Well,
1: you're dancing around it because I opened my records uh, before our chat right now and I asked that question and here's what they said. They And I asked literally in those words, what is, what is a common or the common curriculum for humanity today? And they said, be in love. Know you are light and love, and take daily actions from that knowing place. Connect to your divine through nature any way and any way that feels good to you. Spend more time in nature and less time listening to the doom and gloom that may be emanating from those around you, including those messages from large entities like television and companies selling their products and services. Now I have to say that just a little, uh, excuse upon commercial here, the records have become more specific in what they're showing and, and sharing with us, the records in terms of telling us about our, where the state we're all in. Now when I'm working with someone, it's more specific about their life and their traumas and things and patterns. But this was a broader question and they're getting specific. They continue to say, this is a pivotal time on earth. You are all receiving much assistance from non-physical light beings. These light beings are sending you new thoughts, ideas, and inspired actions that are, as, that are much needed to become manifest in your earthly world. When and if you become disconnected to the knowing that you are love and knowing that all is well, you will not be able to hear, capitalize here, these messages, these messages are of the light itself. Do not be afraid to receive this light. So that was what they had said. Oh, that's powerful. It always is. And when I first started opening my own records and I asked about anything, then this sort of, this, this sort of messaging would, would come in. And I knew that this was something else. Um, what do the
0: records say about fear?
1: Here's this, this is interesting. The records have said, fear does not exist. It emerges from separation, it's really a perception of it, um, emerges from separation from divine. When you know you are divine light, you will also know without, without thinking on it, that all is well. Fear cannot live or be created from that space of all is well. Separation from our inner divinity sets up a place that ego conscious loves the ego conscious slips in and begins to run the show. Um, But they, so ego tricks humans into thinking they are in control of their lives and um, true control of human life emerges from the knowing that your divine life of God's source. So there, yeah, so there's, so, and I asked, actually I asked also, what is inner divinity? Knowing you are love, joy, and that you are complete. Hmm, I mean, that's something our whole, I mean, so much of what's broken on the planet is based on assuming that people are not complete. So I'm, you know, I my company is going to make you complete. My product's going to make you complete. My process is going to make you complete. My religion's going to make you. I mean, we could keep our list could go on for the rest of the night here. But the idea that fear doesn't exist, I, I, when I heard that, I understood it on some level, because fear is what happens. It's sort of like the result of when we're operating away from knowing who, who that we are divine
0: yeah what's coming forward for me is of course we all know the quote or most of us have heard what fear the anachronym, right false evidence appearing real i don't know who came up with that
1: oh that's right and i didn't even think of that which is false
0: kind of what evidence. they're saying here yep. yeah. false evidence appearing real so it's not right. real then it's not real and I think sometimes, you know, it's like Joe Dispenza says: we have to get out of the habit of being ourselves. We have to break the habit, literally. We have to yes. shatter it. Yes, not even get out of it. We have that's to. That's the ego it. conscious. Yes, that's right. And I remember I had this aha moment with fear, and it took me. And uh, I'm not saying you have to do this, but for me, I was in this sort of. Um, mastery and transformational training course. And this was years ago and the sort of LP group, the legacy group at the end of this really intense year, we went on a journey. We had to do something together that was scary. And what did we all choose to do? Jump out of an airplane. So we went to, um, where do we go? Oh, I forget what the place is called. It's a couple hours away. And it was glorious. It was terrifying. And I'm strapped to a guy, you know, who's done this thousands of times and I'm right. asking him, you know, is this safe? And what do I do if mine doesn't open? What do you do if yours doesn't open? Have you done this before? And he's like, this is only my third time. Don't worry about it. And he's done it all <laughs> hundred times, but it was so powerful for me because when I jumped out of the airplane, I mean, it was, it was terrifying, but it was extraordinary. And I would do it a million times again. And it was awesome. And I remember driving home after that experience. And again, I'm not recommending this to anyone, but (laughs) I was driving about hundred miles an hour. Oh, I love it. I had so much adrenaline Mm -hmm. and I was like, fuck yeah, there Mm -hmm. ain't nothing to be afraid of. I was so terrified because I'm watching bodies in my logical mind, my logical brain, in the airplane, I'm watching just bodies falling like cards, you know, Mm -hmm. air, just like, Mm -hmm. you know, Lego pieces, just falling. And I'm thinking I'm about to do that in about 30 seconds. And in fact, I had to think about it and I couldn't think about it because he just shoved me out of the airplane. (laughs) And, (laughs) and uh, it was such a powerful experience for me because I, I had to go have that experience so that I could shake myself out of my old thinking state um, of what, what really fear is about. And I thought, wow, it so propelled me. It really was one of those moments that just propelled me forward. And I ended up well, I was acting a lot at the time and I would go into audition rooms and I was like, there is nothing to be afraid of. It's like just free fall, baby. And literally mm-hmm. I applied it to so many different situations. And um, yeah, false evidence appearing real. And I guess we and, can- start- and, and it was false because it, it,
1: here's here's what's, what I just kind of got or heard yeah. is that you're going there to do it. Whether somebody forced it as a program or what, it doesn't matter. You went there to do it. So that proves it, that there's no fear, right? Those other things, those those other things that were going on that we've all been through, the scary moments, we'll call them scary moments, that's not fear. That's us interpreting and and maybe other, you know, and again, if we were in somebody's records, it would be evidence of maybe a pattern where somebody said you never can. And then we get to that point where we're going to can, we're going to do our can, we're going to do it and then our subconscious sets us up to uh and then we call it fear. So you would have done that to begin with if you were really afraid of it.
0: Right. Right. Mhm. Can you open the Akashic records of the planet?
1: Huh. No, I asked about that too because I had never th- oh, of of oh, our planet, not another planet, any
0: planet? for that matter. Well, for other
1: planets, one of the things that they said was, um, the Akashic records are the divine spiritual imprint of every soul on earth. So it's the imprint of the soul on earth and that soul's journey through each lifetime. The records relate to humanity and humanity's ongoing relationship with itself and planet earth. Other planets, this was referring to other planets, other planets and other solar systems have their own ways of recording the life of that planet's inhabitants and organisms but not necessarily in the way that the Akashic records on earth do. Got it. So that's in terms of other planets, As the planet earth. Um, I, I get a sense. No, I'm sure. I don't know other Akashic records practitioners. They may have delved into this. However, um, we can open the Akashic records of companies and addresses because they're already if something is public record then it's already record then it's recorded in the akashic realm okay so uh, an address is public record a um a business is if they're you know an llc or any kind of business any entity an entity exactly yeah and that's that's pretty cool i have done that um I've also Congress or the United States government as an. I have I, I have not thought of doing that yet. Maybe because <laughs> it makes me nervous. <laughs> For good reason. Keep me posted. Yeah, I'll let you know on that one. That's a, you. You ask really good questions. That's a good one. The government. Oh. oh my goodness. Well, the other thing too is the records need to be open. With the if it's going to involve individuals. I know the government is an entity, but it's an entity of individuals. Right. Well, maybe not. Well, government now is, um, and at every present moment it is, and you have to get the permission of those individuals to be able to do that. So as a collective, I don't know how that would work. But the but the second book that I'm going to, second or third of, I'm almost finished with my first one. The second one that they have invited or nudged me to write is to go to sacred sites and open the records of those sacred sites, and then put
0: them into the book. Oh, that would be phenomenal. I think so too. Yeah. I just found out from a future guest who'll be on the show. She's a musician and she lives on the island of Man, island of Man. And uh, she was telling me about the pyramids of Bosnia. And there's a guy, I, do you, are you
1: familiar with that? I have his book actually. I was going to do a documentary with him um, um, he has a long name, like sounds like Bosnian. Yes. Um, yes. And they, and they're, um, they emit, uh, this amazing light energy. Yes. Uh, yes. And there's, there he's, there are videos on YouTube with him going through and into those, um, caves.
0: Yes. Um, I pyramid rather. And there, anyone listening and not familiar with this, and again, I'm not familiar, but you can go to probably Gaia.com and they've done some docu series. or you go check out just the pyramids of Bosnia. Mm-hmm. And this guy, whose name is I'm not ringing a bell right now, he was standing uh, just by these mountains. And um, I don't even know why he was in the area, but he was looking at the mountains. And he was saying, uh, what, what is that over there? And they say, Oh, those are just mountains. He said, No, those aren't mountains, because they're they have a sort of pointed edge to it, they're flat, the way that the the um the grass or the foliage grows out, it grows out of it, it doesn't grow up. There's something about the way that everything sat, it was purely, completely evident to him that there was um, structures underneath. And sure enough, there's pyramids underneath the yes. grass or underneath the foliage. And uh yeah, so fascinating story. Yeah, story
1: and here. and he and the um yes, his name his name is Sam. Um he's an archaeologist. Sam a very I'll try my best, Osmanagic, It's like O S M A N A G I C H. Okay. And he's written a book or two, and yes, he has had amazing things happening. Uh, There's even the way they line up. You know how the pyramids and their four corners line up astrologically, and same thing with these pyramids. But there's there's a they've measured the energy apparently of the Bosnian pyramids, and there's something very phenomenal, or phenomenal, happening there. Uh, and it's interesting. There hasn't been we ha- we hear a lot about the Egyptian pyramids, but we haven't we haven't heard a lot about these Bosnian pyramids. I never heard of them before until the other day. I didn't even know they existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. Because my friend, the same friend who gave me the money to study the Akashic Records, she was actually in a contract with that Sam guy to do a documentary on the pyramids, and it it never came to fruition. So we were going to try and do it again, but um, something's happening there. Very something's
0: happening there and yeah. something i think we just kind of pull back the lens something's happening all over because more and more i think is being i think more and more is being revealed on this planet like they just found that whole city in egypt uh with another king's tomb and all of these pharaohs i saw that right yes and I, the mm-hmm. pyramids and my friend who lives in the alaman we won't We'll save that for another episode, but she lives by where these castles, when the the tide goes out, these castles that are kind of part of the the rock formation and the cove there, these used to belong to, it's believed to be so, King Arthur, the legendary Arthur.
1: The legendary, wow.
0: Yes, and she goes in there and does toning work, and she gets all kinds of information. And more and more of these places are being revealed. Mm-hmm. some of these places are being uncovered and it's like okay well what else it's like you talk about the awe being in the state of awe mm-hmm. if we can all collectively just as an experiment as a playful experiment be in a state of awe we could tune ourselves to be directed just like you were directed to that akashic book in the library mm-hmm. pull down the right book or to be guided to that Lumerian site or to be shown that um, crop circle or what have you. And Mm -hmm. to me, on a positive note, there is tremendous opportunity for us to not only turn up our frequency, but it's like, well, what happens when you turn up your frequency? We'll find out, go turn up your frequency, Yeah. find out who you are, expand your capacity and see what shows up for you. See what can put in front of it. Yes,
1: and this is why ancient wisdom is is revealing itself more. I mean, Greg Braden's work is around this, and and because um, he studied ancient wisdom, and he's a his career was in measuring um, patterns right. in history. So he's like a science guy, and then he traveled around the world, receiving from indigenous cultures. And that's what's being uncovered as well. And when that's uncovered, the essence of that reveals itself to us. And the other thing that that I think you're going to enjoy having a little conversation about is we actually can invoke those from the other side, I like to say their essence, to co-create with us. And so when, let's say somebody this is how these discoveries happen because whoever's finding these they're in some way the essence of the science whoever they are archaeologists that purse that archaeologist is, is is connecting up with something about themselves that is probably most likely part of their soul journey for sure and so in their soul journey when they're in it it could be through sleep time through new ideas that come in which is elizabeth gilbert's the big magic however that comes in and it's a match then we, if we know it to be true, all we have to do is know it's, it's true and it's there and it's a resource, it is so. So, for example, I'm writing a comedy right now series and I am invoking the spirit. I had to figure out who what show was my favorite show and it was I Love Lucy ever. I think it was brilliant and it still is the, one of the most rerun shows, I think, in the history of television. And it, And I... Did a little, dug in a little bit, and I got lost one day around the creator of it, Jess Oppenheimer. So I've been calling in and invoking, and you have to invoke. You can't go, I hope you come. You have to say, whoever. It could be Mary Magdalene, it could be anyone on the other side that was, you know, people have called in Andrew Carnegie or Ford um, as, you know, come and co create. You're not asking him to come in and do everything because they can't, that would be intervention, but it, it, this is amazing. It happens. And I, when I see these kinds of discoveries that you're, that you just shared, like, uh, like, you know, pyramids or the mystery of something is being solved or whatever, or a veil is lifting somewhere. I have a sneaking suspicion that whoever is participating in that discovery has received, uh, let's say divine help, non-physical help, yeah. in some way. And that happened for me as a writer. I woke up one morning, not long, a couple of weeks ago. And I, you know, when we're in that, the best state is when we're half asleep, you know, when we're not fully conscious yet, the twilight hour, I don't know what it's called. And I was in that, so I was asleep and I was hearing or singing with my voice in my head, the theme to I Love Lucy with every single lyric. Hmm. And then I became conscious and I went, holy moly, that's the theme *I Love Lucy*. And I kind of said, as I was conscious, "Whoa, oh, I went, "Whoa," and I just, I just asked, "Jess, is this you, Jess Oppenheimer?" And I heard, "Yes, Mary, it's me." Mm. Now it sounds kooky. My family, you know, if they hear this, they're gonna be like, "She's gone off the deep end." But you know. Look at the indigenous cultures. Look at the Native Americans calling on the spirits of the North and the South and the East and
0: the West in co-creation. You know, this is not new. (laughs) That's right. They measure the sun and when it's going to set and rise by just pointing their hand to it under the horizon. And they still do that. Amazing, right? That's right. You know, it makes me think. And and by the way, to our families, (laughs) they're just... Looking for, like you said earlier in our conversation, like your agnostic friend, they're trying to get a logical, cohesive, mental thought going that can kind of box it in. Yes, <laughs> and like eat it like a freaking digestible sandwich. And, mm-hmm. like I said earlier. If you you can't question, I mean, you can question it, but question it all day long. I know my experiences; I've had direct experience of things, but I don't need to convince it to any convince its validity to anyone because right. beyond that mental um, um, scientific um, proof, proof it's beyond right. that. Right. There's no way you can prove it, so why even start?
1: <laughs> well, right, that, that's right, and I, I think my the voice of my ancestors maybe will sometimes sneak in and and see what it is that I like what I just said, and go, oh whoa, well, right. But then the greater part of me goes, well, it doesn't matter because I know this to be true. I do. I have evidence of it. You know, Diane, I I wrote a screenplay on Mary Magdalene, the, from Mary Magdalene herself being channeled to somebody else. Yeah. During parts of that screenplay, well, I, was, I had a partner that I brought in to write with me. And, we, and it was great. And we did it in, in, very, in a very short amount of time and we don't know how, number one. But there were several occasions and one in particular was a very powerful ending that came to me and as I was writing it, I felt the essence of Mary Magdalene. Somebody recently said, well, how do you know it was her? (laughs) Well, I was writing about her and it came to me and I felt it go through me. This essence of love energy permeated my being and I just kept writing through tears. Now, I know that that's what was happening. Mary Magdalene's essence from wherever, (laughs) Came through, and I feel I was chosen in some way co- co- to, for this co-creation. It is co-creating when we get amazing ideas and inventions. We're co-creating it from the essence of the invention and the idea itself, which is what Elizabeth Gilbert writes about.
0: Yeah, and also you—you you talk. We talk a lot about um, off-air about giving ourselves permission. Mm -hmm. And when we're open, then things come in, because I'm just thinking in my journey as an actress, I remember my first job when I was in New York City, I was auditioning for the Denver Center Theater, and it's the second largest theater in the country, which I didn't know until I was auditioning. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, the Kennedy's the largest, the Denver Center Theater is the second largest. Maybe it's changed since then, and there's other theaters that have been built. This was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. But um, I was auditioning for this like 20 screwball comedy, and I just kind of went in and gave it my all. But before I went in there, I was on the subway and there I was leaning up against the doors of the subway. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, a voice from inside me, but all around me, clear as day, I'm getting chills just telling the story. The voice said, You can have it if you want it. And it was like, I remember kind of going away from the doors and turning around. Yeah. Like as if somebody was like standing behind me and smushed up behind me of these doors that could open at any time. But no, nobody was standing behind me. I was leaning up against two doors. Which is not so smart on a New York subway. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I used to rollerblade down Madison Avenue. I did a lot of things. I'd hold on to the edge of a, a cab. Uh, you know, I did a lot of crazy things. But yes, I heard this voice clear as day. And I knew, I knew that if I gave myself permission, mm-hmm. I was going to get it. And I went in there fearless, did my thing. I don't know if it was a good audition or not, but I just went in there, did my thing. By the time I walked down the stairs to get, catch a cab, my agent called me and said, you got the job. Oh, see, that's a great story. Yeah. That's, that's a great story.
1: So what was that? You know, What's you know, that? yeah. Freudian police would say, you know, that was your inner blah, 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 blah. Or it was, something that the greater part of you, you know, the greater part of you, or the greater part of you in guide form. I mean, who knows what that was, but you knew it wasn't in your, coming from you.
0: It wasn't coming from me. And it's again, I get that. experiences are very hard to put into words because I didn't say it, I didn't speak it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't someone standing next to me or behind me or in front of me. There was nothing of this world. Yeah, it is our world, right? It's like a <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And and it was as clear as day, and it was loud and it was concise and it was precise and it was confident and it was beyond all feeling and it was um had no sex and it was just present as as anything. And clear as day, you can have it if you want it. And then I knew Mm -hmm. my life right at this moment and essentially all of life is about our choices. I can choose that way or I can choose that way. I could have gone in there and chosen not to have that experience and made different choices as an actor and uh, created a different outcome. But I got the hit and I said, yeah, I want it. And I went in there and by the time I got downstairs, I get a call. You had it. Um,
1: I like that you said the voice has no sex. I never thought of that. So for anyone listening going, well, how do I know if that voice is not in my head? It has no sex. Yeah, that I- was great. Diane, I love that you said that. Yeah. It's a it's a that's why I say when I'm in the records I get blocks of thought. But they're blocks of thought that are coming in. They're not being they're not I'm not they're not my voice.
0: Right. And to your point, I think also, these experiences, I couldn't, I couldn't have whipped that up. I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like my, I wasn't like, maybe that was my imagination. Like <laughs> no, I never whipped that up in my mind. I was like a nervous actress that was very focused and intent on, you know, hopefully getting a gig, but I didn't know I was, I had never traveled outside of, I had just graduated college and I was just hopping around, you know, the city going from one, Audition to the next. And this was the first one that was kind of out of town. And this voice literally just bing, bang, bongo came out of nowhere and hit me like a beautiful cosmic bell. <laughs> nice. That's really beautiful. You know, that is, that's a great story. I was going to ask you if you've ever had a mystical experience, which is such a silly question to ask, because of course you have. And you just described even writing your last screenplay. It doesn't have to be some big, wild vision of an angel coming down from the sky. To me, you writing that film and having that experience of the demai mother is unquestionably a mystical experience. Yes,
1: that was. That's one of them. Uh, You know, I can't think offhand of others. I know I've had them. you know why I think why I can't grab onto one right now, besides that one, is because they're not mystical experiences anymore. They're just what I know to be true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. So they don't stand out,
0: right? They're part of your normal. Exactly. Yeah. My new
1: my new normal, I guess. Um, yeah, I I do experience awe. And there are things that just grab me and stop me in my tracks. And it's usually na- nature or love, any, any kind, it, whenever I see love, in a film. Um, oh, Mystical Experience, um, E.T., near the end, when he's going to leave him. Yeah. For me, Mystical Experience, you know, I always say that that film is not about an E.T. Spielberg was brilliant. That was the surface storyline. It's about a boy's first experience with love. And it happens to be an E.T. That's right. How brilliant was that? It was yeah. about love. And and we it was so about love that when it got near the end and he was, they were going to kill the E.T., separate them, whatever, and they weren't listening to Elliot, our hearts just ripped apart. And it was mystical. I mean, to me, when for me, mystical is when my heart just expands so much in a moment. And it's not from anything from me physically, or it's not my physical realm. It's a something bigger, something greater outside myself or something. But I know now know that if I have those kinds of experiences, then that's me being shown who I am. Yeah. I didn't know that years ago.
0: So who are you?
1: Well, I I am a, a living, breathing essence of God.
0: Copy that, right back at you. Yes, mm-hmm. you are. and yes, we. And are. I,
1: yeah, and I, I, know I am. Yeah. Um. And when I know when I'm appreciating divine and God in my in my meditation or prayer time, my pr- I mean I pray to the oak trees in my my yard because I know they're connecting up as a portal to the cosmos and to divinity itself. And I and I know their roots are under my feet and I do this whole thing. And when I'm feeling this, I know that I'm feel. I could not be feeling this if this is not who I already am. And so in that, and it's not like ego can't even be here. It has nothing to do with ego. It's just more of the good stuff and more of it and more of it. And then we go, oh my goodness, I am this. How cool is that? It's like a thumbs up to ourselves and we go, oh my God, this is great. And so all things that come to my mind, or my heart to do in my life, or to what I'm going to bring to my life, come out of that. And the more I allow that part of myself to be the, in a sense, the co-creator of my human life, I'm happier. And I don't worry like you didn't worry about. And don't worry, I imagine, when you're going into these situations, whether it's auditions or not, you don't go like, the outcome must be, the outcome must be, I, you know, we've been trained into that. Right. And I don't, I just go, it's for, I always ask for the highest good
0: of, of, of everyone. At, I'm so glad you remember it. that. I'm so glad you said that because you took the words right out of my mouth. I used to, in my earlier days, I just wanted it because I just wanted the gig. I me, wanted the gig. Me too. In I my job. I didn't give a, Uh, crap what what the story was about Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but now it's like I only want it if it's for the highest good because Mm -hmm. if it's not for the highest good then I don't want to take on all that stuff that my soul's not really meant to take on I don't want to take on all that karma and junk and garbage if I don't have to that comes with that job because it's not for my highest good. If it's for my highest good, then it's going to be graceful. Yeah.
1: Yes. And joyful and smooth. Not, that's not to say there aren't going to be little hiccups here
0: and there, but that's different. That's um, right. That's it's right. From a higher plane and a higher, it's going to be in the flow of what's intended for, again, my highest good. Not mm-hmm. my sort of good, not just to have a job to have it, and not for an egoic um, um, reason, Mm-hmm. it's going to be for my soul's um, cry, my soul's journey, my mm-hmm. soul's yearning. And quite frankly, I don't even know fully what that is. I have, a, I have definitely inklings and ideas. But as I open more and more on my journey, it's certainly very different than what my earlier days looked like.
1: Mm-hmm. All of us
0: probably. And so when you have those inklings, again, from
1: the records... Um, follow, listen to them. Yeah. Listen to the inklings, inklings. They call them minuscule moments actually of intuition. Um, and it is a very, it, it's a great word inkling. Cause it is a little thing, you know, like, Oh, I think I feel, and it's tiny, but it's not. It's probably most likely our own self tapping us and going, Hey, let's go do this or whatever before all of our other subconscious patterns and other things that we carry around with us, the noise, the noise can come forward. Um, And it, you know, and the thing is that noise is in so many forms around us. Oh my gosh, all the systems that are broken. The education system is askew, I'm gonna be nice. The medical system can't even go there right now. The the political system, boy, the I mean, we get the 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 monetary system. They're just they become so full of themselves, they don't know who they are. And most likely, if we were to work our way to the top, follow all the way to the top to the CEOs, that's where we would find. An individual, probably, and it could be a president too—not this president, maybe—but it can be the president. I mean, rather the CEOs, not knowing who they are, and they've gotten lost, and then it filters down right out to the products and services. It's energy. Um, you know, a very good friend of mine is a global brander, and she left—not left, but she shifted away from like McKinsey, major corporate, you know, entities, and working in that arena, those arenas. And she created, her company now is called Humanity Inc. But her first company was called, and she coined the phrase, phrase, soul branding. And what she does is she works with major companies and she literally works with CEOs all the way down to the stakeholders to help them find out what their own souls are. It's it's branding from your soul, not from uh, your mind. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, she's been doing this for years. Um, And that's the kind of thing we can do. That's how we can help them transmute back into light because everyone thinks they're just all Satans. No, there's no Satan. There's just, we're out of divine. We're away from it. And they're operating away from their own divine selves. And how do we guide them back
0: if they're that far? We're all light and covering the light in varying degrees. And Mm -hmm. some people have a big, dark, heavy lamp uh shade on the light yes the room is dark and they cannot find the door right it doesn't mean that there's not light inside that's
1: right that's right you know abraham uh, abraham hicks again they say um when you walk into a room there's no dark switch that's right (laughs) i never thought of that that's right only a light switch there's no dark you don't turn on the dark that's because dark is not real
0: Light is real. In painting, we, there, there's a term where we look for the shadows because where there's shadows, we can paint the light. Uh, interesting. Yeah. I love that. This conversation is nothing but light to me and nothing even close to noise. It has been so <laughs> filled with the music of truth and depth. And uh, I just thank you from the bottom of my heart, Mary, for coming on here and taking this sweet walk with me down the, um, the trail of the divine and the Akasha and all this pontification of what is possible for us all. Just to imagine if everybody woke up every morning and asked themselves, what is for my highest good today? Perhaps that would be enough.
1: It's it. Yes, absolutely. And what I also find with the records is people find the records. I don't seek the people. I don't ever like if I'm at a gathering, I don't go, you know, you need an Akashic reading. (laughs) Never do that. That's like selling the divine, which I don't feel comfortable with. But besides that, it's like they just find their way. It's so interesting to me how people find the records, how I found them. I'm the one that found them, really. I know I went to a reading and there were these signs. It wasn't that the records hooked me, like in theater, with a the hook getting someone off stage. It wasn't like that at all. I was gravitating to them my whole life. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know that. And that's what happens. Everyone that finds these records and comes to open their own records, they came to it. They gravitated to the energy of themselves, actually. Um, and, and I find that so magnificent and it is it is more i'll use the word evidence i don't need evidence but i'll use the word because it helps people understand this but to me that's more evidence on the powerful the power of the akashic records as a tool for 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 healing and for snapping back into what we decided to come here and do since we it's very easy to get off that with the way our planet is. And so we all, we've all been off of it. And then we don't know why and we bang around and then we find the records and we go, oops. And we get back, we snap right back in to the groove and we've
0: done it ourselves. That's the thing. Yeah, you're, you're bringing you back to you. It's like you had, a, you were divinely led. So yep. again, if it's meant to be in this lifetime that you're gonna have your records read, they will find you or you will find a way to have them read yes. and we'll be graceful and it will be easeful. And, uh, yep. that's it. That's it. That's how it works. Let's that's not right. complicate things. Y'all <laughs> that's right. My records
1: were telling me you are a writer. Now I was a director most of my career and I, there I am writing back, you know, cause I'm writing you know, on the computer and hearing and I'm writing back, no, I'm not. So I'm basically disagreeing with my own Akashic records. This was years ago. And it was hysterical because they kept saying, well, Mary, your records show you writing. And you know what I forgot? That after I closed my records, several, they kept saying this to me. I forgot that I had taken a slew of Robert McKee uh, screenwriting workshops on the East Coast, West Coast. Those are like major workshops. I thought I was doing it for directing to help me be a better director. <laughs> Once I said yes, and it wasn't like one day I woke up and said, yes, I'll, I'll write. It was more like I felt like I eased up on it and I surrendered to it and said, okay. Once I said, okay, bam, I got a phone call and was paid to write a screenplay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You opened the door for the energy to come in.
1: Exactly. I was in the way. Yeah. Of, of me. <laughs> of my role, my chosen role, and that's what we do. And so I know how that works. I've been through it, I've done that. There isn't, I can have people come to me and go, oh, you know, well, you know that there's this realm and blah, 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 but you don't know how rough it is to, and they'll talk about something rough in their lives and then I'll say, well, actually I do because that was my life growing up or I had these experiences and then they're like, oh, so you're like a regular person who found this thing called the records. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's why I'm doing it. I think, but my writing is changed. It's, it's more whole. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you said it all, Mary. Thank you for the moment. And thank you for having me come here with you. And I love what you do. Oh, thank you, Mary. And I want to say that I want more of you. Maybe other people are going to say that too. I bet they're going to say, I
0: love what Mary said. Yes, Diane, we want more of you. Well, if you guys have any feedback, I am an open book and send it Mm -hmm. my way. And I'm here to just serve the planet and the people as best I can, Mm -hmm. being the person that I am and sharing the people that I love and are doing the real deal work on this planet like you to raise the consciousness, the vibration, and really help, uh, no, save, change, transform humanity.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you use use the word save. I think we are at that point. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I agree.
0: And so we'll keep going. Yes, we will. Hey, guys, thanks for checking out the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. If you like what you're hearing here, check out more by subscribing on your favorite platform or go to spiritualgeekout.com.